podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello everybody and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. It's been so long since we've done a podcast that I nearly forgot to say hello um, as the music finished. I got engrossed in the, in the entrance music um, as Daddy Longlegs joins us for the podcast tonight. Get away out of it, you. Anyway, we have a different type of Daddy Longlegs. Paddy is here. Daddy Short. <laughs> Daddy Paddy short. Longlegs. Daddy Short Legs. <laughs> <laughs> daddy short. I'm definitely a daddy short legs as well. Yeah, yeah. Paddy, how are things with you? Um, I, I'm okay. I'm feeling Friday, and it was a long week, and yeah. missing football. So it's it's refreshing to be looking forward to a Villa game than looking forward to another international match that's going to depress me. So happy days, <laughs> happy days that we Villa to look forward to, and plus we don't have to. Start off the weekend by them playing on a Friday night and ruin the weekend. We can wait till half four on a Sunday for them to ruin it. So yeah. we're trying yeah, to look at all the positives first, get it out of the way. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Hopes and dreams are usually well and truly tarnished by, by half four on a Sunday anyway, most Sundays. So uh, it's uh, yeah. what, what would Villa do? Villa can't make me any lower than half four on a Sunday anyway. But uh, I suppose, Paddy, the, la- or the last time that Villa played on a Friday night, though, it was fruitful, obviously, against Southampton, albeit that the game was dull as dishwater, so I'd say a lot of people. Um, this, uh, we did get the points, and I think this very much so going away to Leeds, going away to Ellen Road, in a fixture that throws up some bonkers results and just, just wall-to-wall play. Mm. I, I've had ta- I've had a chance to sleep on what I said on a Leeds podcast last night, and I was kind of predicting more and more of the same because of the injuries that we have. But the more I think about it, the more I think we're going to go there and we're going to try our best to grind something out. And I think Steven Gerrard more or less said the same thing in the press conference today. What do you think, Paddy? Um, you, you just don't know what you're going to get with Leeds. They, they've been inconsistent again this season. Plus, it, when, when Sunday rocks around, it'll be 29 days since they played a game. Mm. So... There's loads of ways of looking at that. The, those pl- those players, the likes of Bamford and those who who were injured, have had a lot of recovery time and a little mini preseason in those four weeks. Us ourselves will be sixteen days since we last played. A lot. Yeah. We didn't have a whole lot of players on on international duty, so uh, some of the players got a, a break the week before last, and then back into training this week. So it, it's it's going to be an interesting one. I think it would be a good gauge of where we're at. With, with what we have, because we we know we're going to be without our, our two main boys that we signed in the summer, so mm. that, that makes me a little bit apprehensive. But as you know, since that Bournemouth game, I've been apprehensive every week because I just don't know what Villa are going to turn up. So I'm not expecting anything pretty. I'm expecting uh, a nervous, cagey affair where we'll probably defend and hit them on the break if we can. Got him. The daddy long legs is no more. Um, sorry, Paddy. Uh, but I, I, 
I, I'm going to be honest with you. I missed the last two sentences you said there. I was con- I was concentrating on <laughs> on homicide of an insect there. So <laughs> yeah. What I, I what I was basically saying was I ex- I expected a cagey affair where we'll we'll start off uh, fairly defensive and try and hit them on the break with with the pace that we I have in so. the in the likes of Leon Bailey and whatever. Mm. So. It, it it'll all come down to to how he how he sets up the team. We we more than likely may see Den Donker in there. Don't think we'll see Bednarak if if Konza is fit, given that he had a, two two games. So, uh, I don't know. Where do you want to start? <laughs> we'll. I'm I'm going to leave the back four for a moment because I think I want to have a big discussion on that because I think there's a lot of permutations in there with the you know with X Y and Z that that, that has gone on since we've last spoken. Um, what I was going to do is I was going to talk about that midfield area and I think that midfield area is always going to be a standalone kind of an area um, we have there's been a lot of talk about John McGinn going away with Scotland and you know obviously he scored that goal against Ukraine and I I had a different opinion of him against Ireland. A lot of people said he ran the show against Ireland. I didn't think he did. I think he was Villa, very Villa-esque John McGinn against Ireland. Um, but obviously Scotland came out the right end of the result uh, on that. Um, being a pragmatist, I we're not going to see him in the number 10 role. Um, whether we no. should or not is a different question, but, I, but we're yeah. not going to see him in the number 10 role. And I think and, you know, we, we discussed this before, and I, I don't know whether I explained the point well. I, I just, I just think that we're doing him an injustice playing him in the position he's in. Uh, I watched him against Ukraine. I thought he was incredible. I thought he bossed that game. Yeah, he was good. Our, uh, Ireland's defensive setup without the ball probably led to him not seeing as much of the ball as as he would expect in international football. So. I wouldn't be too critical of anybody playing against that Ireland team when they're defending the way they are. So, um, and Ireland were good for the, the opening thirty-five minutes until they decided to stop playing. So, they were on the back foot for the rest of that time. But look, they they got their win. He got his goal against the Ukraine. You're never going to hear a bad word about John McGinn from me. Mm. Um, other other than Big when he in your house does stupid things and gives the ball away and stuff like that. So, it's a uh, it's. You know, you know my opinion on it. I think, I think we we should be starting them in a more advanced role, and um, we're not going to see that without Bubakar Kamara. I don't believe we might not see it ever under Stephen. I Gerard. don't think we'd see it ever ever under Stephen. Yeah. I don't think we see it ever even under Pochettino when somebody comes in because, um, I'd like, like is Pochettino I, coming in, is he? <laughs> breaking news. Yeah, put that one on the front page. Or somebody like Pochettino. <laughs> I, I, think the next, I think the next Villa manager will be Graham Potter. Because he'd, he'd be gone from Chelsea in three months the way they could turn over managers if he doesn't get the results. Anyway, that's... But but I think I think that midfield, I think we will see Leandro Dandonker come into that midfield. Didn't get a run out for, for Belgium. Now, the reason for that, there was a lot of conjecture online, people saying that maybe he would gotten injured for Belgium. Essentially, what happened, it was just Martinez wanted to play play some youth um, to see what he has for probably the mm. upcoming World Cup. Nations League for them was not a priority, it seemed, or, you know... I think Martinez probably has this World Cup. I think he might get the 
might get the heave ho after this because he has yeah. had probably the best generation of of, uh, of Belgian players ever, and there are some criticisms criticisms of him from Bel- from the Belgian media. Even though he has a ridiculously good win record, it just when he mm. gets down to the crunch, he can't do a Southgate and get past quarterfinals, get into semifinals, and even get into finals as well. And Madden all as it sounds to be able to say that Gareth Southgate has been able to do that, considering once again, obviously, the, the negative media reaction towards Gareth Southgate, which I agree with. Um it, it's 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 quite um it, it it's quite like put it this way, Belgium probably man for man have as good if not a better team than England at the moment they just can't get over the hump in any of those and, and England were that way maybe four or five years ago uh, before Southgate came in who would have thought that Southgate would have got him over that hump but would have played absolutely dreadful football at, at, at times as well anyway I need to shut up I'm digging a hole here for myself stop talking about <laughs> God, Southgate You're co- <laughs> I, I don't have an opinion on it everybody I don't have an opinion on it okay I'm not allowed to have an opinion on it I'm from Ireland not allowed to have an opinion okay <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that midfield, I think the Docker comes into that midfield, and I look, I'm not 100% sure whether he goes gung ho in midfield. McGinn is going to start, and I think he goes with Douglas Louise. I don't know what has happened with the with the Villa PR machine at the moment, but they just seem to not be able to do anything other than put Alicia Lehman and Douglas Louise all over everything at the minute. It seems like it's uh, they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle with that one. Um, and for me, I probably think that Douglas Louise will get the start at the weekend as well with mm-hmm. Dendonker, with McGinn, and we'll go a bit more compact in midfield. Um, yeah. And we will actually use our width up top uh, with probably Coutinho and Bailey and Watkins, I would imagine, is who they're going to play up top. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just before you gloss over the fact that we're using Douglas Louise and, and Nadisha Lehman, I, I, I have no problem with that. There's a lot of people giving out about Not it. Anyway. It's... Uh, there, there are posh and becks, so yeah. you know you you use them to to highlight the club as much as you like. Plus, keep Douglas Louise happy, keep keep him center of attention, and hope that he signs a contract because we've fucked up everything else for him at, at this stage. So to let him to get to the start to kick off this season without a new contract is absolutely unforgivable. But we'll we'll come back to that when he eventually makes up his decision. But uh, yes, I I I totally agree that Louise should play probably alongside Dan Donker as opposed to on his own. Yeah, and McGinn in there as well. And maybe that's the opportunity to play McGinn as a 10 if you like give him that more free freer role while you've got those two guys. Because the Dunker is going to be more of a holder than, than Kamara was anyway. And mm. um, we could see Kamara getting further forward. The Dunker just doesn't. He is, you know, he is a def- definitive defensive midfielder in there. He offers a bit of a bigger body than anyone we've had in there, which is something I think will, will suit us against Leeds as well. Um like it's mad the way that the the a lot of the 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 stuff about John McGinn has has calmed down after like he was public enemy number one over the Alfie Gray stuff at the start of the season, um you know and now we're playing Leeds again there hasn't been a whisper of it, um which I think just kind of goes to show there was a bit of an overreaction to it at the time, sure. um probably yeah. from both sides maybe you know from from both sides of of the aisle in that one but uh look I think looking back at it it was. It was a tackle. He went over the top. It was fine, but the, the kid wasn't injured, and you know we no. shake hands and we move on afterwards. There's nothing uh, in it. There's, there's, no. I, th- I think there's a narrative there that wa- that wants there to be a bit of needle in this fixture because of what's happened in the past. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But like we're we're not we're not that type of club, really. You know, we're not. No, we're not a, a dirty leads. You know, we're, we're do- we don't pride ourselves on being 
public enemy number one in, in a, by any stretch of the imagination. So un- unless a bit of nastiness comes in there, it's never going to be the case. No, I've I have campaigned for that in the past. I've campaigned for us to just get complete another like our, our our weight strip should be like a camo jersey, and we should go out there and we should just be real nasty and kick people up in the air like the old crazy gang. Uh, there was a time when I was uh, I was canvassing for that in the, at the end, towards the end of last year and the, and at the start of this year, but um, yeah, I was saying that in jest. But it is nice to have a couple of nasty fellas in the team as well mm. as we said before. Carlos was that man who came in, that bit of an enforcer. I think then Donker could be an enforcer inside there as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that would be interesting. Now, Paddy, I think what before we go back to the back four, because I think there's a big discussion to be had about the back four because of obviously for obvious reasons, there's a lot of people missing. We do have some there are some some choice statistics with regards to this game, and they come to you in association with the wonderful AVFC Stato, who you will be able to find on Twitter at AVFC Stato, ironically enough. And uh, we we play this in a segment that we like to call Stato Corner. <laughs> And here we go. That everybody was looking forward to that entrance music, weren't you? Or I certainly was. Anyway, so Stato, uh, thank you so much for um, giving us some statistics on this game today. A lot of these revolve around um, goals, games won, and stuff like that. And we have a really interesting one about Jacob Ramsey as well today. So I really appreciate the work that you put in as well, AVFC Stato, for this. So the first one we have here is Leeds have won just one of their last ten Premier League home games against Aston Villa. Villa drawing four uh, against Aston Villa, drawing four and losing five. And a 3-1 victory in the final day of the 2002-2003 campaign was um, their last win at home in the Premier League, which is a mad statistic, I think, given that every team seems to beat us at home um, recently. Um, But I suppose, obviously, with Leeds being out of the league for so long... um, and and us having our sejour from the league as well. Uh, this is is strictly a st- uh, Premier League statistic. Next one here is Aston Villa have won their last two away league games against Leeds, as many as they had in their previous seventeen visits to Elland Road, where they drew nine and lost six. They have never won three in a row away at Leeds before. Interesting. So, there you go. There you go. Um. And but history is there to be broken, isn't it? No, of no course, records are there to be broken. Records are records. there to be smashed. Yep, exactly. Leeds conceded five goals in their last league game against Brentford, where they lost five two. As many goals as they conceded in their first five games of the 2022-2023 season, and indeed since returning to the Premier League in 2020, Leeds have shipped five plus goals in more different top flight games than any other side. So they've shipped f- shipped shipped over five goals. Five times since they've returned to the top flight. So that's an interesting one as well. I don't expect mm. us to score five goals against anyone this season. I certainly don't expect us to score five <laughs> goals against Leeds. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, th- I, th- I think it's like last season we saw it as well. You know, we could score freely against Leeds in this, specifically the second game. We won 3 0. Jesse Marsh's second game in charge. Um, I think that was the 3 0. And, um, yeah, as I say, they, they were only getting into their pomp at that stage. They're trying to trying to figure out. He was trying to figure out the team as well. So I don't expect us there. Obviously, don't expect us to go and steamroll anyone in the form we're in at the moment. But I do expect our form to have improved from prior to the to the international break as well. Um, only Brentford have scored more goals from high turnovers in the Premier League this season than Leeds. 
Uh, although only Liverpool and Manchester Manchester why can't I speak? Manchester City have had fewer high turnovers against them than Aston Villa. So Aston Villa aren't turning over the ball in high positions. I i.e. they aren't turning over the ball in um for in their defense an awful lot this season. Yeah. Uh we've the third least amount of, of turnovers from our defense defense this season, um, which is good. So we kind of counteract each other in that one. Um, and that isn't you know, if you were to ask me about that statistic, I wouldn't that doesn't come across to the naked eye when you're looking at games. It doesn't mm. come across that we're I would have just assumed we were losing the ball more than the majority of teams, specifically in our back four. But it goes to show how probably how bad our passing in midfield has been. And we've spoken about John McGinn and, and, and I think he's probably one of the people who has probably given away the ball the most, I would say, in the Premier League as well this season, which is something that can be fixed. It can of be course. fixed, so so yeah. hopefully it is. Hopefully, um, it is. The, the the just on that stat, the, the one thing that leads to do differently this season, they were always a very high pressing team, but it was man for man. This season, it seems to be a, a doubling up on the player with the ball, and that's probably why yeah. you're seeing that that high rate of turnover. Um, I've I've only seen I might have seen three games actually. Um, and, and that just appears to be the way that, you know, if, if we're playing the ball out from the back, you can expect two of them to go and close down full backs if, they, yeah. if they're on the ball. And if you watch that closely, they do it a lot. And those two will move across to the centre half if the ball goes to the centre half. It's, a, it's actually a, a, incredible to watch, but and it takes an awful lot of energy. So mm. they're, they're, a, they're a very fit team, as they always have been under Bielsa. But obviously there's a, there's a big change in, in personnel there now as well. Well, they've even brought brought in players uh, that that are are known for energetic and athleticism as well, and we'll get onto that. Yeah. We'll talk about Leeds as well in a moment when we, when we do talk about that specifically. Aronson and Tyler Adams, um, there in midfield. And lastly, Aston Villa's Jacob Ramsey netted the winner in their last league game against Southampton in the one 0 win, taking his goal involvements tally to nine in the Premier League. Should he score or assist against Leeds, he would be the youngest player for Villa at 21 years and 127 days to record 10 goal involvements in the Premier League since Gabriel Agbonohar did it in April 2007 at 20 years and 171 days. And Jacob Ramsey will become the fourth youngest for the club overall to reach 10 goal involvements. There you go. That's a little one about Jacob Ramsey. That's a one about Jacob Ramsey. And uh, uh, once again, if you were to put a gun to my head and tell me that Gabriel Agbonahor had reached that that number before his 21st birthday, I would have said not a hope. Um, <laughs> I would have said not a hope. But not not that, like, I, I just always assumed that he was being played out wide so much at the start with John Carew and himself and Luke Moore were being played either side. And uh, I just have you know, the memory fades and I kind of think that there was that first season under Martin O'Neill that they weren't as involved. And then when he went up top on his own with them, um, with John Crew, that the goal started to flow for him. But uh, yeah, as I say, that's an interesting stat. Thank you so much, Dave FC Stato for these. Really appreciate it. He actually sent me on about 15 statistics about the game, but uh, we can only fit in five or six into the podcast tonight, but I do appreciate you sending these on uh, Stato and uh, we will be back next week with more statistics from the wonderful man himself in our segment that we call Stat. I just love playing that jingle. I love you're very, that jingle. You're very quick on the trigger there. You even cut yourself off. <laughs>
<laughs> so Petty, our back four is going to obviously it's like we're on TV, so it's going to draw the attention of um, but well, it's going to draw the attention of everybody. Uh, because of the people who are going to be missing. Both fullbacks are going to be missing. Yeah. Matty Cash still isn't back in full training yet. And uh, we obviously have the situation whereby Luca Dean came back from, or didn't, didn't even get to go um, mm. to to international duty because of stress factor, stress factor in his ankle. Thankfully, it doesn't seem to be as bad as, uh, as first feared, but still we will be without him. Mm. Paddy Kelly's well, picking the team this morning. Who have you been told, it, just before you go on, Gerard mentioned it was a heel issue today. Yeah, I, 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 you can still have a stress fra stress fracture yeah. in your heel. Yeah, you can still, have, you know, you can still okay. break. There's bones in there that you can fracture too. So maybe I'm thinking it was Lekeep that had the had this breaking. I'm thinking it was a uh, maybe. But well, whatever it is, we can only we can only trust our manager to be telling the truth that it's a heel issue. It's a heel issue. Yeah. It's a heel issue. Um, there was no real time. Really. There was no real time put on it. It was a it was a case of they have to manage it. So, um, just didn't want to let you gloss over that because he did he did give conflicting report to what had been previously reported by whoever. So, um, yeah, Paddy Kelly's picking the back four. I I think I think this is the easiest selection of of all our team. Um, I don't think it'll be any way contentious. I think Ashley Young continues at right back, Konza and Mings in the middle, and. I would be absolutely bowled over if we don't see Ludwig Augustinsson after his 90 minutes for Sweden in midweek uh, lining out for us on Sunday. And let's face it, I, I, I would be shocked if it was any other way. Yeah, I, I have to believe exactly the same, but there has been a counter-narrative. And the reason I wanted to bring this up and have a conversation on it is the counter-narrative is that, you know, you bring in somebody like Jan Benrek, Kanza has been played at right back and he was played at right back in the league cup fixture this season as well uh, against Bolton. Uh, he did play some minutes at right back there. And the counter narrative has been that, you know, you bring in Bednarek, do you go taller and stronger in the center half position? Do you move Bednarek, do you move Kanza out there, out the right back? And do you move Ashley Young to left back? And for me, I think that's a ton of movement, specifically when you've got a Swedish international that was well, another bloody, thing is after coming in the window um, especially when you've got a Swedish international on the bench that is playing at left back is a natural left back and has played at left back all his life so for exactly. me I'm very much as I say I'm very much that old traditionalist of play the play the person in his position that he's played all his life and um, yeah and, and, and if you need to move people around afterwards because of injury or whatever move them then but no for me I would be of the same opinion as you uh, I think Kanza probably deserves that run in centre half again after his performance against Man City and and against Southampton. Yeah. But I'd still have him on a short leash because I do think that Bednarek is as good, if not a better defender than Kanza. I know that's mm. probably marmite to a lot of people given the reaction when Bednarek signed. But um I'm willing to like I'm willing to persevere with, with, with Kanza and, and as I say, if he gets back his 2021 form. Um, his 2020-2021 form, then I'd be absolutely delighted. It's just yeah. the start of the season, I didn't see that. But obviously, you begin to see glimmers of it again over the last two games. Yeah. So I think... But do you, do you think there'll be something mad there? Like, even when I when you look at who scored, look at the suggested uh, lineups and who scored. Like, they have Chambers at right back, and they have, they have Ashley Young at left back. I certainly can't see them playing Chambers at right back against this Leeds team. Not a hope. 
given yeah. how he turned in midfield last season when they played him in midfield in that one game last season, I don't think that they play him right back. I I can't I can't see it being any other way. Um, I I also must go back and say you just said it was me picking the team. If I was picking the team, I would have Bednarak and Konza in there in a tree in the back four. But that that's only if we have Cash and Dean fit. Yeah. But you know that's that's just my take on how we uh, on how we play the game going forward. But for now, it's that back four, and and I think that's the easiest positions to pick on the team because. Literally anything can happen going forward past the midfield. I've, I've honestly, I, I, I'd be picking names out of a hat to, to decide what he's going to do on any given day with, with the with the attacking part of the midfield. I, I can I, I think he'll play Den Donker. I think he'll play Douglas Louise. But after that, who knows? Yeah, and he, and and I think he'll play Augustinson. Like, hmm. Yeah, I think. Well, I'd be very, I'd be very surprised. The fact, the fact that he got ninety minutes the other night in in a, in a decent contest against Slovakia was it Slovakia or Slovenia? I can't remember. Um, but he, he got the full ninety minutes, so he he he's ready. I've no doubt in my mind he's ready, and and he'll be up to be up to match pace to play. And this guy was playing with Sevilla last season. Like he played twenty, I think it was twenty three odd games for Sevilla last season. Played in European competition for Sevilla as yeah. well last he's season. No more. Like, like, oh, he's absolutely not a mug. No way. Yeah. Not a, yeah. no way. No way at all. Yeah, you know, bear, bear in mind, and we, we'll get onto the Leeds team in a minute. They have a guy potentially if he if he's fit, Christensen going to play right back, and and he's completely raw to the Premier League. He's all over the bloody place. I hope he is playing. I hope they are still trying to blood him in against us. But uh, fingers crossed, good himself <laughs> and Furpo play. Fingers crossed, Junior Furpo plays. Junior Furpo the bet on Furpo for the first yellow card again. <laughs> last year. Like last year, it was just it was like a cash machine putting a bet on in junior football to get booked at any time. It was just like just like having your own access to your own free bank. Is what it was. So so hopefully he's there again. Um, yeah, Christian. Yeah, and, and that's just a comparison I'm making with Augustinson because it it will it won't be a seamless transition to play international football into this. He'll have the minutes in the leg and that will help. But it's a completely different game. To the Spanish game, it's a completely different game to Champions League football, and it's definitely a completely different game to international football. So it's a big step up. It'll be a big step up in pace, and I, for one, would be annoyed if it's anyone else at left back. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say I'd be annoyed. I'd be, I'd be looking for answers. I think is what, the way I'd put it. I'd be, I'd be looking for him to explain why if if he didn't play um, a left back at left back to be honest with you. Um, Specifically, when he was brought in, specific to be that cover for Dina. Yeah, right. just to me, just to, it wouldn't it wouldn't sit right when Kane Kane Kessler Hayden goes out. Then Young assumed that position as the right back cover, and he would be the right back cover, and it would just mm. it would show that the plan at the start of the season is now being uh, enacted. The the plan B, should I say, is being enacted. But look, as I say, we won't know until we until we look at the team sheet tantrum on Saturday and uh, Sunday, should I say. And uh, and we see who has been picked and who hasn't been picked. Um, looking at the Leeds team, Paddy, we obviously are a good friend and uh, you know just a real stand-up guy and one of those guys that never, never ever kind of winds up any of the Aston Villa players is back this season. Mister Patrick Bamford um, is back and and he is liable to start or likely to start up front. Uh, as I say, he himself and Mings do have this ongoing saga. Uh, every year whereby 
he tries to get in Ming's head and sometimes he gets the better of him and sometimes he doesn't. And hopefully mm. it's going to be, hopefully with Ming's not having the pressures of the captaincy on him, that Ming's is going to come out on top in that, in that game as well. But I think the real area that we're going to have to look for, for these guys is the next five behind him in front of our back four, because the, you, we met, you mentioned effort, the effort that these five, these potential five players of Jack Harrison, Aronson, Sinistera, uh, Adams and Click give is just phenomenal like any one of those players on their own is 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 a a raw athlete that can get around the field at pace and has a serious engine but they've got five of them in there in midfield and that is to me is their is their strength and it was their strength under Bielsa and Jesse Marsh has still harnessed that yet in a different way yeah there's plenty there and you've left out Mark Rocker in there who has has also contributed to goals this season Mm. so there's a number of combinations that he can pick there. Um, did you mention Gelhart? Gelhart on the bench, I would imagine. Yeah, but it can also play in one of those uh, three in behind the striker yeah. as well. So um, yeah. there's, there's there's a lot of play here. I I, I think the, he could come up with any uh, any any different combination in in that. F- we'll, we'll call them the front five or the front six, whatever whatever it turns out to be. And you've also got. Uh, the the other thing is that I, I think Jesse Marsh is suspended. He got a red card the last day against Brentford. So I would imagine he's not going to be on the sideline. Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. He's obviously going to have input in the team and he's probably on the phone telling them what to do or whatever. So it won't read too much into that. But uh yeah, I look I'm I'm not I'm not expecting any favours from, from Leeds or Jesse Marsh in in his team selection. I think he'll put the best possible team out, albeit that right back, I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's Christensen over Ailing, who's who's also just back from an injury as well. So I I think that's the area we can get at them. Um, it's unfortunate we don't play Leon Bailey off the left because I think he'll get an awful lot of change off uh, off Christensen if he's there. Well, Coutinho did butter Leeds bread down that side last season. You know he did, he did and he yeah. got a lot of you know coming in off that side and, and himself and Ramsey interchanging there and that side mm-hmm. um, yeah. was very profitable. And afterwards, like the, I remember coming towards the end of the game, you know, you could see and Luke Ailing is a great guy. I I I've never never gonna have a bad word to say about him. He comes across as a really great guy and everything. And you could just see he had a little kick at, Co- at Coutinho, and then you could see in his face he was like he had that kind of ah, fuck you, you're after giving me the runaround kind of face on him afterwards, you know. It was a playful kick, I'll say, worse than anything else. Mm. But um, you know, it's uh, and he did they they did kind of target that right uh, that right back position uh, in the Trina last season as well. But you know, it's completely different game, completely different teams, yeah. teams in completely different form and different mindsets that they have now at the moment. Um, do you think? We, I know we mentioned it previously, and I said it, but and we may have just glossed over. Do you think Coutinho starts in that wide left role? Do you think like he did against Southampton? I think he does because I I, th- I think Southampton was probably his, his best game so far this season. Uh, I think he was roiled up after being left out of the, the Brazilian national team. Mm. Um. He did have a good influence on the game, so I don't see any change in that department. Um, but then again, he, he has left him out when you haven't expected to leave him out in the past. So, you know, the, the world according to Gerard might be completely different, but I, I, I can't see any difference there. I think I think it'll be Bailey off the right and him off the left. Of the lead signings I mentioned previously, that those that that midfield area and that specific that five behind the striker, whether it be Bamford or whether it be if mm-hmm. Rodrigo is able to return, who's in some good goal scoring form this season, 
the two additions they've made there, the two American additions they've made, and Tyler Adams, who's somebody I was really high on. I had a scouting piece done on Tyler Adams. I, I would have loved for him to come into Aston Villa. Um, his versatility is amazing where he can play eight, six. He can even play center mm. half. He can play right back. He's Ball just back, a really, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's just a, a versatile player who's got a really good skill set and uh, he's got a really his skill set kind of suits those positions he's not a fancy dan in any way shape or form he's very very mm. athletic really like him he's probably slated starting that in that double pivot with click i would imagine uh th at the weekend and then obviously brendan aronson somebody that they've been chasing and chasing and chasing and spent the bones of 30 million and he's yeah. come in and he's been somebody that's buzzed around like a blue ass fly around the field as well. You know, he mm. gets around the place and uh, he's a good player. And, and, you know, he's had a really good start to the season so far. Anybody else that you'd be fearing in that team as well? Patty? Oh, well, just to reiterate, I, I'm, I'm fearing those two. They look like decent players. Uh, one one from Red Bull Salzburg and one from Red Bull Leipzig. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Adams from Leipzig. I'm uh, sorry, Adams from Salzburg and Aronson from Leipzig, if I'm Leipzig, not mistaken. So they, they were playing at a reasonable high level, mm. despite that Adamson is, I think he's only 20 years of age. Uh, Adams a little bit older, he's about 24, 25. Uh, look, they, they, they have, I, I don't, I, I think the game is coming too soon for Rodrigo. I think he's going to miss out. I'm hoping he'll miss out because he's a decent player. Um, and you look, Whatever whatever combination they throw at us is going to give us trouble. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. As I said to you before about about that double press, with the, pressing the player on the ball all the time, that's going to be really interesting given the fact that in the past we have been poor at passing the ball around at the back and have made the all-error. So there's a lot to look at there. Uh, Konza hasn't been great with his feet this season. Um, Mings has that mistake in him, so... Uh, I think the first 10, 15 minutes of watching that press is going to be really, really interesting. And I hope I'm not looking at it through my fingers. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. As is almost becoming the catchphrase for this podcast, we won't really know how good the, what, what this team has actually been told to do until 15 yeah. minutes into the game, um, yeah. which is a, definitely a, a negative uh, for fans. And to be honest with you, it must be a negative for players as well. Because if you can only come out and be game planned for 15 minutes and then everything falls apart, which is stuff that we've said about Stephen Gerrard in the past, he's in mm. game management after the first 10, 15 minutes has been woeful uh, since he's been with the club. So uh, let's hope that uh, the last two weeks has given him uh, food for thought and 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 uh, a premise to be able to game plan for the full 90 minutes against Leeds. Because as I say, you know what you're getting with Leeds. It's hard to counteract. But teams have been, Brentford found a way to do it. I would it hope is. Aston Villa have been able to find a way to do mm -hmm. it as well. Paddy, we're going to move on from the lead stuff for a moment, just just, just for a minute, because Christian Perslow met with the, uh, with the Supporters Trust, the Aston Villa Trust, uh, recently. What was your views on that? I, I only read what I read in the Birmingham Mail, and, mm. um, you know, I think they got the best snippets of it, but um, I'm probably going to be in the minority, and I think... Christian Perslow probably called it fair enough in what he said. Uh, it's not what I wanted to hear, but it's probably fair enough in, in, yeah. in, in what he said with regards to how he felt the season has gone so far. Nobody saw the the result against Bournemouth. You can't legislate for the two injuries that we've had to the two new signings, yeah. and we had signed. We signed. We ended up basically Camarigan injured after deadline day and we'd signed someone to replace Carlos and then we'd signed someone to play alongside Camara and you know when that happens 
you just have to kind of put your hand up and say, sometimes your luck's out for a period of time. Mm. Um, but I think his most interesting thing, Paddy, was when he said that he's expecting results in the next nine games, which conveniently brings it to the World Cup. He inspects yeah. them to, to uh, improve. And that, to me, was a Tindy Vell shot across the bow of Steven Gerrard's. Uh, that's my controversial piece. Because yeah. I think a lot of people will say that was just speak from Christian of Christian Porzlo and he's no interest in doing it. But I think he, I think it was. I well, think I, I've, said, I've said all along that he'll get as far as the World Cup and that's when the decision will be made. So, what, while... I know that Christian Porzlow probably has to say that anyway because he knows there's discontent. Yeah. Sure, sure, here, look, you're looking at one here that's very discontent with <laughs> what's going on. So, um, you know, it's something I wanted to hear because there has to be a bit. And in fairness to Jared, um, whatever game in particular, I'm going to go back before Man City when he when he came out and said he was under pressure. Mm. So he he knows himself. This is a results business. That if the results don't come. Like, there's an awful lot of play here. There's an, we need to be attracting players to this club. We don't attract players in the position we're currently in. The results need to come in the next nine games. We need to be going into a January transfer window, knowing who we have to replace or who we have to ship out. And while I'm not thoroughly convinced with Gerard, I don't want us go losing games just so we can get rid of him. I want yeah. us to win games. I want us to build a legacy here. He, he wasn't my first choice. He still hasn't won me over. But by all means, you know, I, I want him to do well. I want every manager to do well until the time comes where I go, I just can't take any more of this, which obviously has happened in the past. So, look, big games ahead, huge games ahead, ga winnable games ahead. Sunday's a winnable game. It'll be tough. Then we've got the likes of Forest. Then we go into Chelsea, Brentford. Games... Games that you, you probably have, with the exception of Forest, there's a little bit of trepidation there when you're predicting, you know, that we go and win it or you'd be happy with a point or whatever. So there's, there is a lot of play with that. But I, I, I was okay with what he said. Um, I think I think he protected the players and the manager, but yes, told the fans what they wanted to hear too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Um, I think I don't think it helps as well when. He when the previous date that he had for that meeting had to be pushed back the bones of a month, I think it was. Um I think it was the fifth of September or something it was supposed to be on. And mm -hmm. uh, it only happened here the thirtieth of September. I don't know, maybe I just wasn't all over the news, but I don't think it was ever a reason given as to why why it was moved or whatever what what the situation was. But um Yeah. It was cancelled very, very late as well. Like um, it, like Less than 48 hours notice, I think it was yeah. cancelled. And I think it was coming up to around transfer deadline time. And it was, pe people were kind of saying that, oh, maybe he's hiding because he doesn't want, because Villa aren't signing anyone. He doesn't want to be in that position to have to speak about mm. it. But I, I don't know what the situation was. Obviously, we did sign people. And yeah. rumours were that we were trying to sign more people on deadline day um, as well. And we just couldn't get them over the line. And we we're trying to ship, ship people out. And we just couldn't get that stuff over the line as well. But he did mention that, that mm. they wanted to ship people out. And they maybe couldn't get as many people out, out as they, they wanted to. And look, I suppose there is a juggling act in, in, with regards to that as well. We can't, we're not in a position as a club to stockpile players like the likes of Chelsea and Man City are um, because um, we just can't do it. We can't afford it. Can't afford mm. to do it. Um, and it just breeds contempt, as we're seeing as well with, you know, 
some players, management players, whatever. I don't know what the stories are, and I'm not going to take anyone's side in any of those. I've, you know, I've come out with Sansan Gilbert previously before, good players, but if we're not seeing him in the jersey for Aston Villa, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to worry about him too much um, because there's obviously reasons on both sides as to why they're not in there too. And that's not mm. me sitting on the fence. It's just a fact of life. You know, somebody needs to be a bigger man somewhere along the line. And of course, as I say, yeah. we see him in the team again. I clapped him every day of the week. I'd love to see Freddie Gilbert line out right back tomorrow. I'd love mm. to see Fred, Morgan Sansan in the bench. And I think we will see Morgan Sansan on the bench. Um, I think we might even see Freddie Gilbert on the bench. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> as I say, until we start seeing stuff like that, yeah, I'm not here for the I'm not here for the desperate housewives version of Aston Villa. I'm here to see Aston Villa go out and play football. Um, and I've just been very open and honest about that. I think since yeah. I started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And look, there was there was a without and there was a, a bit to take from that meeting as well. Um, obviously, he, he talked about um, he did a bit of lobbying for. With with the with the government over the infrastructure around Villa Park during the week, um, yeah. you know, with with the railway and what have what have you, you, you would think we'd have a the fact that we've given someone will have to help me here. What's the name of that high speed uh, train? HH H two Paddy H H two. That's going through our training ground. So you know, yeah, I know we... I know there's probably a compulsory purchase order there or whatever it is, but surely we've a bit of cash in the bank there that we yeah. can go and say. Can, can, can say, you look until at there's an, until there's an actual steel track on that land, Paddy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it happening. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it is. It is happening. So, um, and there's a compulsory purchase order apparently on part of Bodymore Heat. So, I, I would be using that to our advantage to go and 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 lobby for better better facilities at Aston and Witten Station that we can get people mm. in and out and, and widen the tracks and, and, and have trains sitting in the station. And there's a whole lot of things that can be done. Um, but that's, that's a story for another day. But he did mention, he did mention that he also mentioned the provision for safe standing, which uh, concerned me a little bit because I would imagine it's probably going to go through my season ticket <laughs> because that's where it was earmarked for before. So, um, you know, bring it on. What's it? 1.8 people for, one person, so that that will bring the capacity up over to sixty thousand as time goes on. Yeah, as time goes on. Yeah. So look, we we're we're not getting sixty thousand people in the door unless we're we're winning games and we're and we're competing at the the, the top level here. Um, Newcastle, I, I think, are the Newcastle are the only exception to the rule that if if you're not playing well. You're, that a stadium of that size just isn't selling out. It's a way of life up there. The, the, you know the. The stadiums in the city centre—they've got absolutely everything going for it, so that they they sell out no matter what, or near enough sell out. We we would struggle if we if we're if we're sitting fifteen, sixteenth in the league, playing a poor brand of football. We're going to struggle to sell out the fifty thousand that we're expected to get to, let alone heading up for the sixty thousand when we go to safe standing. Yeah, you. But I I think with 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 stadia, obviously they're looking at the off season. There'll probably be. Bruce Springsteen will be there three nights, um, whatever you know. So they're looking yeah. at that as well. That capacity is capacity, um, corporate is corporate as well, and there's 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 mm. money comes in through there as well. But uh, yeah, look as I say, you're better looking at as as the father always says, you're better looking at it than looking for it, you know. So <laughs> it's <laughs> you know plan for that day when it's not going to rain and that everybody wants to come in at the same time. 
Um, and I think yeah. that's that's probably uh, that's probably where we where we should go at the moment. I think this. Ad says there. Uh, I'm a bit annoyed. We are waiting for other clubs to trial safe standing. I feel we should be involved in it. I beg to differ, Ad, because we we, we were one of the first to to mention it and, and to go for it. Randy um, Lerner brought it up years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we just have other priorities in getting that North Stand sorted out first. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, I, that spores away section is set up for safe standing. You've got that bar in front of you, but you've also got a seat. So that that will come in time as well. So it was interesting to see it. Um, I've experienced it at Celtic Park. The noise that comes from safe standing is incredible. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I really hope it's done sooner rather than later. Um. I'm worried that I'm getting a bit older and I don't want it to be going through my season ticket and I have to stand at it. <laughs> but yeah. look, I stand, I stand there anyway because if I'm if I'm not standing there behind the goal, I'm not watching the game because everybody's standing up anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So in other words, Paddy, stop giving out. Stop giving out. That's what we're here for, Neil. Really. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Yeah, that's what we're that's here what for. That's what I signed up here for. So give out and have a bit of a you were very open and honest about you needing to have an opportunity to vent at every given <laughs> occasion. So, so that is that's that is true. Um, I think that's really going to do it for tonight, guys. We're going to be back again with a team sheet tantrum. Actually, before I do go, Michael Huggins makes a great point here. Is quick word in the women's team. Women's team have had a superb start to the season so far. Um, I know it's only early days, but uh, that comeback win against Manchester City is stuff of legend, mm. and it should be stuff of legend within in yeah. around. Um, Villa Park, you know, for that women's team, and then obviously to go and back it up with a win against Leicester as well. Yeah, um, like pushing for attendance there as well. The the club are doing some really good stuff with with that team. They've signed some really good players. I mentioned it before. There is a podcast out there. The Aston Villa Women Supporters Club have a podcast out there at AVA, AVWSC. You'll find it on Twitter. I don't have the the handle uh, here. If you are interested in the women's game as well, give them a shout. Give them a listen. Uh, I found it very, very good. I found it informative. You know, I only know some of the names in passing, to be honest with you. I'm not an mm. aficionado yet. I plan to become an aficionado in that. And as I say, why not? Why not support um, yeah. the female side of the game as well? English and football. Well, it wasn't a classic at the weekend. The ground out of 2-0 win over Leicester. Um, yeah. Our strikers that have been critical in the past, like like Gelnick, got a goal. Yeah. So there's, there's players around helping these players. And, you know... They, it, it can only go and the squad the squad yeah. as well like you're missing Rusha Littlejohn who we know here from, from the Irish team Simone McGill who was a big signing that they made uh, from Northern Ireland as well yeah. another striker another attacking player as well did her cruciate you know they're two great two two very high profile players they obviously brought mm -hmm. in the likes of Rachel Daly is it, uh, is it Rachel Daly is that her yeah. name I'm a mixer Rachel Daly from Houston mm -hmm. Dash you know as as well as I say, I'm not going to sit here and try and gaslight everybody into into thinking that I know what the know all about the women's game. But I'm bloody looking forward to learning about <laughs> it. As I say, let's go on this journey yeah. together because some of the names I do remember, I do understand, and I do uh, they do ring a bell. So um, yeah, I'm finding it interesting following them, and I hope you guys do too because it is uh, as I say, English women's football is on the crest of a wave for obvious reasons at the moment, and why not have Aston Villa at the top of that game as well, and uh, and thriving. Uh, within the women's game too. Absolutely. Um, right, that's going to do it for us tonight, guys. Thanks so much, everybody, and girls. For Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with the Team Sheet Tantrum at 3.20 on this coming Sunday, uh, the 2nd of October, I think it is. The second. Yeah, it is the 2nd it of is. October. 
320 team sheet tantrum before the Leeds game. We hope to see you all there. Have a fantastic Friday. Stay safe, stay healthy, and all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.